0: So we have been, I don't know, we've been talking the last several weeks now about becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ based on Kyle Audeman's sermon series from, I don't know, nine or ten years ago. And what we found out is that's the right way to live. It's the best way to live, but oh my goodness, it's a tough way to live, isn't it? I mean, especially these days. And um, we're also finding out, sadly, that most of us fail miserably at getting this done. So what we started to talk about the last two weeks is we just wallowed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, we just did the dance of grace the last couple of weeks and, and reminded ourselves that we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and there is therefore now no condemnation in those, those of us in Christ. Not a little bit, no condemnation. And so it's left us the last couple of weeks with a smile on our face and, and a smile on our hearts. What I want to do this morning, as we kind of finish this series up, I think, is I want us to remember that we're supposed to teach this to our kids, Right? Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 that we are to train them, our kids, in the the instruction of the Lord. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that this morning. Now most of the time I preach an exegetical sermon, that is we take a, a scripture and we exegete it, we talk about it, we bring other scriptures in, but we explain it. We're not doing that today. We're going to step out of my comfort zone a little bit. We're going to do a subject sermon today, which means if you're a note taker, this is your day, because we're going to be all over the place. It, would you turn the lights up just a little bit, because I can't see anybody out there. Thank you very much. Um, today, I want to do a kind of a wish list of bringing our kids up in, in the Lord. And I, I realize my parenting time's over. I get that but my grandparenting time's just heating up. And Angie and I are hoping that we do a better job this time than if we did the first time around. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But then he said, but I've come to give life, and not just life, but rich, full life. And anybody in here who's a parent or is going to be a parent or as a grandparent, or an aunt uncle, or as an older brother or sister. We want that kind of rich, full life for our kids today that Jesus offers. But it's tough. These are crazy days. It's tough. And everything seems to be extreme right now, doesn't it? You're either extremely Republican right now, or you're extremely Democrat. You're either extremely all for Donald Trump, or you extremely hate Donald Trump. You're either extremely for wearing a mask, or you're extremely against it. Everything's extremes right now, and it's trickled down into our parenting, it, naturally. I mean, we got some parents right now that are hyper control. I mean, they're bubbling their kids up. They're not letting them do anything, go anywhere. And then on the other side, we got parents that it's just like, Wild and free. Anything you want to do, anytime you want to do it. Just crazy extremes on both sides. I read last week about a dad of a three-month-old now, three-month-old kid. And this is what he said. He said, when, when, my, when my kid cries at night, we don't go in there. We go in that bedroom when we say it's time to go in there. If we go in when he cries, then he's going to grow up to be a manipulating adult. Well, that's good parenting right there. I mean, that's... That's an eccentric, sinful, manipulating three-month-old somebody needs to break his will. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, that's crazy thinking. On on the other hand, I I can remember not very many weeks ago at Walmart, I saw a six- or seven-year-old kid throw an absolute fit. I mean a fit. Screaming and hollering at mom and dad and punched dad. And the parents did nothing. They said nothing. It's crazy to me. If I'd have punched my dad, I'd have lost the use of my arm. I'd probably still be in a sling. You know what I'm talking about? I know some families who won't let their kids watch TV at all. TV's terrible. They don't let them. And as soon as those kids go to a friend's house that have a TV, they're like addicts. They won't do anything else. They won't go outside and play. They just want to watch TV. On the other hand, I know some parents who every kid's got a TV in the room. It's free, unlimited. Here's your remote. Do whatever you want to do. I mean, you get the picture. Listen, you and I are followers of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be different. Not perfect. We're not going to be able to pull that off. But we should be different. And you say, how different? Well, that's a good question. We should be different, and we ought to be begging God to help us uh, through some kind of balancing wisdom of the Word, raise our kids and grandkids upright with His help. Now, everybody in here has got a different wish list, and I'm going to give you mine this morning. Here's number one. I pray my kids and grandkids grow up with the capacity for appreciation, gratitude, and lots and lots and lots of generosity. So I'm praying my kids are grateful all the time. Paul put it like this in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. He says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is your will in Christ Jesus our Lord. All circumstances you should be thankful. Now, this is one of those times where I'm going to sound like a a 62-year-old man, (laughs) because I think one of the problems in our culture today, and certainly in our economy, is we're pushing the other way. We're pushing this way. You're entitled to get whatever you want anytime you want it. We're Americans, and we work hard, and you ought to get it, especially if you don't have it. That's how we're living in our culture today. So here's a good question. If we want our children to have this rich, full life that Jesus is talking about, is it a good parenting strategy to make sure they get everything they want every time they want it? No. It looks like it up front because when you get everything you want every time you want it, you get this burst of gratification, which seems like a good thing. But all of us in here know over the long term, then they start to get entitled, and then they start to get selfish And before you know it, the very capacity for gratitude that we're wanting in them seems to go out the window. Does that make sense? Don Baker's a psychiatrist, and uh, he says that one of the biggest problems with entitlement in our country today is all the lawsuits. Because people want something they can't have because they don't have the money, so they sue somebody and get the money to get it. Do you know uh, a couple of years ago the San Francisco Giants got sued for giving gifts on Father's Day to just men? How dare them leave the women out? They got sued for that. A college professor sued her university a couple of years ago for a sexual harassment because somebody hung a mistletoe at the office Christmas party. She sued for sexual harassment. And I love this one. A female psychic sued her doctor recently and was awarded, didn't just win, she was awarded $986,000 because her doctor prescribed a CAT scan and she said it impaired her psychic abilities. My question is, shouldn't she have seen that coming? You know what I'm talking about? I'm just saying. (laughs) But that's why we're in a place right now where it's just a pandemic, a lawsuit. We talked about it last week. And I'm saying, come on, parents, let's change that. Let's teach our children character qualities like gratitude and appreciation and generosity of spirit. Let's give that to them. And listen, if we think we can do that and at the same time giving everything they want every time they want it, we're fooling ourselves. Somebody told me last week, if you paid $3 for a bottle of smart water, it ain't working. You know, we need to wise up a little bit on this and, uh, and, and, and think about it. Now, there's some reasons why we give our kids everything they want every time we want it. And one of them is just, it's just simply this. We're busy. We're chasing our own things. We feel guilty. We're not spending enough time with them. And we think if we buy them things, that makes up for it. That's smart water stuff right there. That doesn't work, you know. Sometimes we do that. Not all times, but sometimes. I think the biggest problem with this, probably I think it because it's my problem. This is where I struggle. Uh, The reason I give my kids and grandkids everything they want when they want it is because I get a burst of gratification. I get a burst of joy. Who, Who doesn't want to be Santa Claus? Angie says, I love to go, aha, you know? And so I'm thinking this week as I'm putting this thing together, if I say no to my kids and my grandkids, I'm saying no to me. I say no to my joy, my gratification, but maybe I ought to rethink that a little bit. Sorry, guys, this is going to cost you. Maybe I ought to start taking away my short-term gratification and look towards their long-term growth because that's what we want. Jesus said the greatest among you will be servants, and we need to teach our kids it's not all about them. It's not kids first. I don't care what the license plates say. And sometimes you've got to think about other people and serve. And we want to teach them to be grateful about everything. Oh, my goodness, we want that in their hearts because to live entitled is a miserable way to live. I just told Scott Scroggins last week, him and I were talking, and I, and I had to confess to God just this week as I was putting this sermon together. I've been grumbling a little bit the last couple of months with the COVID and a couple of other things. Now, I tell people all the time, I'm the richest man I know, and I am. Certainly not in terms of money, okay? But in terms of rich, full life of Jesus, I've never met anybody richer than me. How can a guy this rich grumble about anything? And the answer is he can't, he shouldn't. And neither should you or your kids. Because we're the richest this world has ever seen. Okay, number two, uh, I pray my kids learn to be responsible. I want them to be grateful, but I also want them to take responsibility. I read that every human being, when they're born, is born with 100% Dependency factor and zero percent responsibility factor. I agree with that, and I also think that as parents and grandparents, our goal should be every year to help our kids lower their dependency factor and raise their responsibility factor. And there's lots of things we got to look out for as we do that. One preacher wrote that he'd been asking himself uh, what kind of outside resources his kids have been watching to see whether or not it was helping them build responsibility, and he was finding out not all of them do. I took my daughters, he said, years ago when they were real small to a Disney movie. I took them to see Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And I realized then, this is a horrible model for my daughters to watch. Here's a woman hiding from her stepmother because she feels helpless and afraid. So she takes a job doing menial labor for seven short, cranky guys because she's afraid she could never find any more fulfilling work. And she's just sitting around waiting to be rescued by somebody, singing, someday my prince will come. No, 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 he says. I'm not teaching that to my daughters. I'm telling them, look, if you get in this situation, the first thing you do is you tell your stepmother to come to grips with the aging process, and that you have no intention of being a fall guy because of her erotic insecurities about fading sexual attractiveness. He said, you tell her to come off some cash and find a therapist, and then you tell those seven short, cranky guys to get a life. If they can't handle the basic challenges of personal hygiene and housekeeping, for crying out loud, they need to find some other codependent enabler to help them do their domestic activity. And one more thing: stop waiting for your prince to come and rescue you. You build deep relationships. You find meaningful work. You serve the poor. And when it's time to choose a prince, let daddy choose the prince. (laughs) Now, I and of course the guy's just kidding around, but he's got a point. The capacity for responsibility is to understand that you have a responsibility for your own life, for your own problems, and we need to teach that to our children, and we need to teach them one day, guess what? You're going to stand before God and be responsible for your life, and as parents, we can't afford to wait until they're 18 or 19 to do that. we got to start young, and I'll give you a, a goofy example, but all of you have experienced this. I've heard this over the years, I don't know how many times, from my kids and my grandkids. I'm bored. I've heard him say bored from the campsite at Disney. I'm bored. Nothing to do. Well, what do we do when we hear that? We try to fix it. Well, why don't you go outside and play? That's no, too hot. We'll call some friends over and have them play. Eh, nobody's home. Well, why don't you draw a picture? That's lame. You know, well, why don't you do a science experiment? No, we keep pitching ideas out at him. Well, why don't you just read the Bible. Yeah, right, that's going to happen. Well, read War and Peace or something. Leave me alone, you know. But we keep pitching ideas and they keep knocking them down. You know what? They're learning, don't you? They're learning that their boredom is our problem. That it's our job to entertain them. And if our kids learn that, then they're going to go through life expecting somebody else to come along and Make their life happy and find fulfillment in something from somebody else and, and to find life easier and more comfortable. And that's a miserable way to live. So here's the solution. When your kids come to you and say, I'm bored, you just tell them, you know what, that's, that's an issue. I've been bored too. That's a tough thing. But I'm confident in you that you're tel- intelligent enough that you can figure this out and then walk away from them. That's tough teaching, but it's good teaching. Or you can do what Angie used to do. She'd tell my kids, well, clean out the cabinet then. Clean out the refrigerator. That will shut that down pretty quick. But they need to learn this is their life. And they need to stand before God with this life one day. And really, the only place they're going to find fulfillment is in Jesus Christ. And we've got to keep telling them that. Here's number three. We want to talk about the value of self-control. Whew. This one's huge. Now, I couldn't figure out which way to go with this. I was going to talk about anger because our kids are mad today. They're mad. They don't have any hope. But you know one of the reasons they're mad is because you all are mad. Everybody's mad. You can't have an opinion today. I don't do Facebook, but I keep talking about it because I keep hearing it. You can't be a Christian and have a, a, an opinion with another Christian if it's not theirs, man. And our kids are watching that, and they're mad. I was going to talk about self-control and anger, but I, we'll do that another day. Maybe a series on that. I was going to talk about freedom i don't want i don't have a whole lot of time so i wanted to talk but this is a huge this is one of the fruit of the spirit galatians 5 love joy peace patience goodness gentleness kindness faithfulness goodness and self-control so i thought in my limited time we talk about the one place in life right now where our kids seem to need self-control more than any place else and that's in terms of sex and sexuality would you say that's a challenge parents grandparents See, we don't talk about sex in church. I, I don't think I ever heard sex mentioned in church growing up. You, you say sex in church, it's like saying bomb in an airport. Everybody looks up. All oh, you looked up when I said, did he just say sex? Yes, I did. And listen, the Bible's full of it. You, you go to the Old Testament, you read the book of Song of Solomon. It's a celebration of intimacy. It's great stuff. If you're married, you've got to sit down with your spouse, read that book, and study it together. If you're single, be careful. But then you turn over into the New Testament, and Paul just has one thing to say about it, 1 Corinthians 6.18, and this is what he says very clearly, flee from sexual immorality. Run away from it. So there you got, in two passages of Scripture, the first you've got this beautiful picture of sex as a gift from God, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's an amazing gift. God told the angels, watch this. Bam. They said, wow, it's an amazing thing that God has given us. And then the very next, and on the other hand, Scripture, real strong, serious warnings about making sure that you use this gift the way God intended it. Now, again, I'm an old man. I know that. But I, and I've seen over the course of the last few years that we have lowered our standards morally. We have lowered our expectations for our kids and our church people everything has moved, the bar is low. I want to remind you, God has not changed His at all. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we need to be preaching that to our children in a very loving way, because they're hearing a lot of different things. Now again, I know I'm old, I, I heard, I think I told you this before, but I heard two 13-year-old girls talking, it's been several years ago, and one of them liked another boy, but she said, I can't like him because she had a friend that had been going, going out with this kid for on and off for the last six years, 13 years old. I think, how in the world are they going out together since they were seven years old? Well, I learned that things have changed since I was a kid. You probably have learned it too. The meaning of going out has changed. It might have changed since I found out about the change. When I was a kid, going out involved two things going and out. It's not like that anymore. Now, going out just means you like somebody. So, seventh graders can go out with seventh graders, seven year olds can go out with seven year olds. And that's kind of funny, it's kind of not. It's kind of sad because that used to be reserved for older kids and now it's for younger kids because we want to make our younger kids old way too fast. Slow that down. Slow it down. I know when it comes to some of these things I sound like an old man, but i got to tell you honestly, old man or not, our culture is, is a dangerous, messed up place right now when it comes to sex. Dangerously messed up. In terms of what your kids are watching and hearing, and doing on their phones, and I just want to ask you, do you even know what they're looking at? I don't want to make you mad. I'm just asking you, do you even know what's going on? Now, I thought at this point I would review the nine rules for dating my daughter. I did it several years ago, and I read it to Angie. She said they were funny. thought I'd do it, but I practiced, you know, four or five times on Saturday night, and I didn't have time, so I'm going to give you three of them, And if you want these, text me and I'll send them to you. They're hilarious. Nine rules. I thought we needed a laugh at this point. Nine rules for uh, uh, dating my daughter. Rule number one, if you pull into my driveway and honk, you better be delivering a package because you ain't picking anything up. (laughs) (laughs) Number, (laughs) Number two, do not touch my daughter in front of me. You may glance at her as long as you don't look at anything below her neck. If you can't keep your eyes or hands off my daughter, I will remove them. (laughs) Number four, I'm sure that you've been told in today's world that sex without using a barrier method of some kind can kill you. Let me elaborate. When it comes to sex, I am that barrier, and I will kill you. <laughs> Number eight, I may appear to be a gray-haired, middle-aged, dimwit, it has been. but on all issues related to my daughter. I'm the old, all-knowing, merciless God of the universe. If I ask you where you're going and with whom, you've got one chance to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I have a shotgun, a shovel, and five acres behind a house. Don't mess with me. Number nine, be afraid. Be very afraid. I know uh, that some of us would like to quarantine our kids and some of our grandkids. We can't. I'm not suggesting that. We weren't quarantined. They need to get out. They need to live life. But it's on us to teach them what God's Word says about their bodies and how to control them and what to do with them. And I said speak to them. I, I was thinking I was putting this together of a family I know from a long time ago, they had an eighth grade daughter, she was gorgeous, and she had a boyfriend, and they spent all summer together, all day long, every day together, running all over the place, nobody knew where they were at, what they were doing, they let this boy go on vacation with them, they went, let them go to the beach together after dark, it was crazy, and as you can imagine, within a few months, they were involved in a level of sexual intimacy in, in the eighth grade, that destroyed this girl, The scars and the guilt from that thing. I don't know how many times she's been married at this point. And I've thought about that so many times over the years. But here's the thing that got me. Her parents had no idea what she was doing. Had no clue. I don't get that. I I don't know if they were too busy or too passive or if they were afraid they'd make her mad. If they asked. sometimes parents are afraid. I want to remind you, this is on us. Man, we got to be watching what our kids are doing and what they're doing with the phones. That's a whole other sermon. I'm going to be talking about this again, because I I told you once before, this can be a great tool. I learned how to put a toilet in with one of these things. It could be a good thing. But I was just telling our, our elders and some elders that we met with last Wednesday, you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of, Joe, you'll appreciate this. We started smoking at a time when it was okay, and by the time they blew the lid off the fact that it was killing us and it wasn't a Christian thing to do, I was hooked. And I can remember year after year watching these commercials on TV showing me how I'm killing myself smoking and nodding my head and going outside and lighting up. We're doing the same thing. Every article you read about the phone is what it's doing to our children, how it's destroying them, what it's doing to their minds, how addictive it is. I bet I've been asked five times this week if I've watched the social media thing on Netflix on, on, on how bad it is. Everybody knows we're all shaking their head, picking them right, lighting them right back up. We owe our kids better than that. I want you to pray about what you're going to do with that, what you're watching. We'll get back on the subject here. we got to talk to them. we got to speak to them. And I mean talk to them. i got a preacher friend who said his whole life he never saw his mom and dad kiss one time. Never heard the word sex out of their mouth one time. His sex education happened when he went off to college. His mom said this, be careful, son, there's bad girls at college healthy 18-year-old. You know what his question was? Where do I find these girls? You know what I mean? I'm not talk, talk to them. They're hearing so much. They're reading so much. They're listening to so much. They need the truth. This is not comfortable. It's tough. But it's so much more important than one talk or no talk. we got to tell our kids what the truth is and what God's Word says. And if you want some material, Andy Stanley, I'm telling you, has got the best material you can find on this. And one more thing. If there's been some misbehavior sexually in your kid's life, it's not the unforgivable sin. We made a big deal out of it in the churches over the years. It's a sin. If you've misbehaved sexually, it's not the unforgivable sin. Don't let that silence you or keep you from talking to your kids or grandkids about it. Remember, there's no person that's lived on this planet that sins so much that God couldn't take care of it because our sins are wildly outdone by His grace. Okay, here's the problem with subject sermons. I do the voice recognition typing thing because I type about 40 words a minute with 35 errors. So I do the recognition deal. And I look down and, you know, I got to here and I was on page 15, which is time to shut up. Page 15 says shut up on it. And so I got to quit. Maybe we'll talk some more about this. Whew. It's a great thing, kids and grandkids, but it's a huge responsibility. James Dobson talks about this uh, strong-willed toddler. You guys know any strong-willed toddlers? This kid's name was Frankie. He was three years old. His mom couldn't find him one morning. She was looking all over the house for Frankie. And he pulled his chair up between the curtain and the the window and was looking outside. And she saw his feet, the chair and his feet dangling. And and, uh, so she snuck up. He didn't know she was there she said she got right up the window, and this little three-year-old looking out the window says to himself out loud, I've got to get out of here. <laughs> three years old. Listen to me. Our kids are going to get out of here. You don't get them forever, you know. I hate that, but I don't hate it. Hopefully, they don't leave when they're three, but hopefully they're not 33 either, you know. I need some good balance in there someplace. But one way or another, uh, it's on us to bring them up in the instruction, the training of the Lord, which always comes back here. Isn't that something? It always comes back here. Singing about the cross, talking about the cross, because it's their only hope. The kids don't seem to have much hope right now. We've got all the problems going on and, you know, so many theories of what bad's coming down the road. This is good. This is eternal good. It's a broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ, their eternal hope. I'd spend more time with that than anything I did with my kids.